We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince Sidario. That is Brian Driscoll. And we are here today, uh, as the title would suggest, we are going to talk about Notre Dame, who we believe will be Notre Dame's breakout players on offense. Now, I got to remind everybody, uh, kind of the way we do this, so we're going to do this in kind of podcast form. We're going to just toss around the, uh, the topic back and forth, he and I. And then once we are done with everything, then we will kick it over to the questions so or the comments slash questions. Um, but we'll we'll kind of get through our part first, and then we'll get over to the comments. If you have, if you want to throw in a comment, you can throw us a super chat. We will throw you in right away. Uh, if you really want to comment on something that we're talking about, that is absolutely okay. We will accept that. Uh, but we're kind of going back to our not old format, but you know we were talking about. Uh, you know, recruiting and all kinds of other things. So we're gonna we're gonna jump back into a little bit of team talk, mm-hmm. uh, Brian. Some post spring team talk or July fall. Fast. I mean, it came fast, and I'm like, well, man, all the topics we got to discuss. We got to break down opponents. There's a opponents so very is, busy month of June in recruiting. I would it, say it really the, was the opponent thing is what snuck up on me because mm-hmm. we have to preview 12 opponents, and we don't have 12 weeks before the Some season. Some of those opponents will be able to <laughs> knock out in a little bit quicker I format. Know. I know, but uh, June was all about recruiting. And there's I mean, nothing we wrong with could that. do an hour and a half long show on Toledo, but we're not going to. Nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> I don't even know that I'd with be all that. the crowd, I think they would. I think our crowd likes That's learning, fair. but it just would be like, That's but fair. why make them sit through that? <laughs> we're just not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't be nice of us. <laughs> we're not going to uh, do that. So today we are talking about breakout players offensively. Of course, we will have a defensive breakout player show as well. Uh, that will come tomorrow, actually, uh, the way we planned it out for this week. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, explain to the good folks at Irish Breakdown uh, land what a breakout player is. What's our definition for how we chose to to, uh, to go about this? Well, we're trying to keep some of these things as broad as possible, you know, and not get too narrow with them. So when we kind of sat and thought of what is the criteria for a breakout player, it's really kind of three levels. One is someone who didn't play who becomes a, a, a key a key rotation guy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a starter, but a guy that's a really key rotation player. 
It could be someone who was a rotation player or a backup that becomes more of an impactful player, even if he's not the guy. And some of our our uh, pl- some of the guys we pick will make sense as to why we pick that. The other one is obviously guys who are even some guys who are good players already yeah, that starters. become stars. Yeah, you know, and one of those might surprise you. One of my one of my picks for a breakout player might surprise somebody. Fits into that third category, and so that's kind of because you you need all three types of those players to be successful. You don't just need stars. You also need really good rotation role players. You need good depth. I mean, you need all those parts of it. And this show kind of covers all of those things. And so that's what we're going to kind of get into, but there's definitely some candidate. There's a lot more candidates for me of the haven't played a whole lot yet. than mm-hmm. we expect to break out. than there is on defense because the offense did such a poor job really last season of, of playing its depth right? Uh, in any kind of meaningful manner. I mean, even if you look at a guy we're going to talk about first, some of the guys put up numbers, but the numbers came a lot of times in, Backup, you know, fourth quarter, you know, mop up, it's mop ups and stuff like that, Let's be right? Honest. Yeah. So you know, it's it's going to be a fun show, and 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 these guys are going to be really big keys to how just how good Notre Dame is going to be this year. That's the thing is, some of these guys breaking out, and there's others we could have gone with. These guys are going to play a big role in whether or not this Notre Dame offense can be the kind of unit that that it needs to be if Notre Dame is going to. I mean, it's not even about getting back to the playoff anymore. It's like, okay, they've been there, done that two of the last three years. It's okay. Can you actually make some noise finally when you get there? Right, right. That, that. I mean, that. that's where Kelly's raised the bar, right? I mean, he's raised the bar to the point where it's like, okay, you've been in the playoff two of the last three years. That's fine. You know, you, you. it's time to now do some damage when you get there. That's they haven't the done that yet. They haven't right. done that yet. Right. So Especially that's offensively. Fair. That's fair. Okay, so let's jump right in, Brian. Uh, we both had – so so – just to kind of peek behind the curtain here, we both came up with a list. We compared the list. We had some that were the same, and we had some that were different. And so this first guy was on both of our lists, and uh, I think it'll be very clear to everyone why that why that was. Um, as I'm scrolling through some of the comments here on the side already, many people have this gentleman on <laughs> on their list as well. Uh, because they actually watch football, <laughs> and it's very obvious that right. this guy could be I a feel, breakout player. Yeah, yeah. And that is who, Vince? Chris Tyree. Yes. I feel like if we didn't pick Chris Tyree, we'd have lost like a 1,000 followers. <laughs> Rightfully so. Like, Rightfully these guys so. are idiots. Yeah. If you don't have Chris Tyree in your breakout player category, then you just don't know what you're doing. And I'm right. going to go follow someone else who's not completely devoid of any football knowledge. <laughs> uh, look, and, and again – this is one of those things where this is this is going to be a big part of this offense this year. And when we talk about Chris Tyree as a breakout player, this in no way, shape, form, or fashion means that we think Kyron Williams is taking a step back. Right. It's more about this becoming a dynamic duo that is going to take the next step. It means we don't think Brian Kelly is going to look at Chris Tyree as a guy that's going to just simply give Kyron Williams breathe now and then, right? He's going to be a guy that is going to become a key part of this offense, meaning more diff, a, a more unique role for Kyron Williams, more expanded role for Kyron Williams, meaning maybe some running back stuff and some receiver stuff now. Right. And then, of course, Chris Tyree getting more some of that look as well. And we saw him in the spring already showing a more advanced repertoire. We saw him making more plays in the pass game. We saw him with some improved run uh, pass blocking in the spring game. Those are all parts of Chris Tyree's game that he's going to have to improve upon in order to earn extra playing time. And, and honestly, I mean, he should get more playing time anyway, but we we know how Brian Kelly kind of hand you got to be able to do it all, right? You mm-hmm. can't just be a one-trick pony. You have to be able to do it all if you're gonna if you're gonna play more. Brian Kelly doesn't do the whole we're gonna use your strengths thing, right? Just doesn't really do that. 
So this is an area where if Chris Tyree can do some of those other things, not only does it expand his role, but then it makes his strengths even better. Right. If you have to be worried about Chris Tyree running swing routes and some of those kind of things, and you may not be as focused in on, especially if you got Kyron Williams in the slot or something like that, you may not be as focused on him just hammering it right up that A gap on an inside zone and getting that crease. And those are the things that we talk about. But you know, being more efficient with his running is something I expect him to do. You know, a little more efficient with his footwork. We saw that in the spring game. What we saw in the spring game that we didn't see a lot of in the fall was Chris Tyree being able to make something out of nothing. And, and and part of it was because he just he had more touches. Right. It's kind of hard to do that when you're getting two, three, four carries a game. You know, and, and I feel like he has to double that this year. He needs eight to twelve touches a game. And touches, not carries, touches a game. And that's where you're gonna see him, you know, out of one of those, the hope is that he's gonna break one of them for at least a you know, a twenty to thirty yard gain minimum. And, and so that's where when I look at him, Vince, I see expanded role. I think additional touches are going to additional touches, meaning not waiting until the fourth quarter to get him to carry against like, you know, just like hypothetically um, the ACC championship game, you know, and then that 21 yard touchdown he has his first carry of the game happens in the first or second quarter, not in the fourth quarter. So those are the things I expect to see from him. And I think if he breaks out, the reason it's so important and the reason he's number one on my list, Vince, because if he breaks out, it makes the offense better. It makes Kyron Williams better. It makes the it makes the perimeter pass game better because now it's like, hey, if Chris Tyree's in there, you can't you can't spread out too much to defend the the the, the wide stuff. You can't sp- spread out too much to defend the the perimeter game, the RPOs, things like that. Because Chris Tyree needs like that amount of space. He needs you to be that far off from him for that to turn into a home run. And he has a chance to be Notre Dame's biggest home run threat of the last twenty years, really, at running back at running back. Right now, that honor belongs to Josh Adams, CJ Procise with a close second. If Chris Tyree becomes the player that I that I think he can be, even this year, uh, you know, I, I think I think he's going to be that guy. No question well, about it. And I think I think it's it's all about the touches, right? I mean, it's all about Chris Tyree getting more touches, like you said, it, being able to be explosive early on in the game when the game is still in doubt, when the game matters, and like you said. I, I do believe that Chris Tyree getting those touches and being explosive not only takes the heat off of the people that you mentioned, but it also takes a little bit of heat off the offensive line. Right. And look, I, I don't. We're both have questions about the offensive line. We we have expressed that it, it, the questions seem to grow; they're not getting smaller as we. We go shouldn't the have summer. questions. I mean, you know, the, uh, Kane Madden was just named a first team preseason All American, and Jared Patterson's a third team preseason All American. Blake Fisher is going to be the best freshman in the country. That one, I actually believe. The second one and the third one, I believe. So they should have a great O line. But again, they don't have to be elite with this they kind don't. of dynamic. And that's that's, that's, that's the, the part about Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree that makes them so special. Correct. Because you look at North Carolina last year. Does anyone want to tell me that Notre Dame's offensive line can't be as good as North Carolina's was last year? And they had 2,000-yard yard running yeah. backs, right? right? So the system can help with that. And this is what I've said early on is the system can help protect you against not having that elite offensive line. Notre Dame's system has been very dependent upon an elite offensive line. What I expect Tommy Reese to do is to create a system – that doesn't require the offensive line to have to carry the the carry things early on, which involves you know more RPOs, using your running backs more effectively in perimeter stuff, things like that. 
Those are aspects of the game that I think this staff can do schematically to take pressure off the offensive line. But to your point, Vince, having that type of one-two punch at running back that can make people miss, that can make something where there is nothing, right, is something that I think is going to make this offense so much better. Yes, there's agreed. no question about it. You want to grab that super yeah, chat? Before, before we go on to okay. our next topic, yep. Patrick has a super chat, which we sincerely appreciate. And Patrick asks, they're going to need a second productive tight end, which I agree. Uh, any chance Kevin Bauman breaks out and becomes that guy? You know, Patrick, we actually talked about Kevin Bauman in the in in our sort of pre-show discussion. He was the guy that we mentioned, but honestly, the reason neither of us are going to pick a tight end in this conversation is because we expect a battle to happen. You know, like Vince right. is high on George Takis as a my Kevin Bauman's a guy that if healthy could be in the battle. To your question, Patrick, and then there's the freshman. You know, especially Kane Barong, who I'm super Barong. high on. Yeah, so. I'm not comfortable enough in knowing who even the second tight end is going to be. We thought about maybe, I mean, we could have done like, hey, who, you know, something kind of like, hey, whoever the, whoever second, the second, second tight end is, yeah. he's going to break out. Right. right. And so that's why I'm glad you did your super chat because we weren't going to talk about that. But now that you bring it up, I think that's a thing that you look at and say, hey, I don't know who that's going to be, but I have enough confidence, number one, in the talent that Notre Dame has recruited. Number two, in the, in the uh, ability of John McNulty to get those guys coached up. And then number three, just the system being what the system is, I expect that number two tight end to be more impactful. Now, whether or not he's going to be a breakout is going to be determined by do they use the number two tight end more in the past game than they did last year? Yeah. That's going to be the key. You know, because if George Takas or Kevin Bauman have like 15 to 18 catches, is that really a breakout? No, it's just doing what the last guy did, right? So that's going to be the thing for me is do they use that guy more as a weapon? That's going to be a big question, but that's a that's a really good question there, Patrick, and I appreciate that. And it is something that we kind of addressed before the show, but we, you know, even Vince, who's high on George Takis, and 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 I think he's right to be high on George Takis. It's kind of like, but are we sold enough to all of a sudden go jump him up into the breakout category? Not yet. I'm just not, especially with some of these other guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, it is really where we come from. So very very good question. Very good question. I appreciate that one. Uh, Appreciate that one very much, Patrick. And of course, we appreciate the super chat. So as we push forward in our potential breakout offensive players, Brian, we're going to head out to the wide receiver position. Uh, we actually have two guys here, and we're going to talk about them one by one. And I, uh, and I have what, a feeling people are starting to th make predictions on who they think we're going to talk about. You might be a little surprised. Yeah, so you had one and I had one. Uh, we'll go with mine first. Um, and mine was very much brought up in the comment section, at least the ones that I read prior to the show, uh, which by the way, it's awesome that we get so many comments before the show even begins. Um, but mine's Avery Davis. And I, I really do think, and I, and I know that you believe that, that Michael Mayer is going to be the alpha in the past game. And I don't disagree with you. Uh, but I, excuse me. I do think that Avery Davis could be the number one wide receiver, uh, mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. And, uh, again, Michael Mayer is going to be the alpha in the pass game, but you know who's going to be that alpha in the in the wide receiver room? And I, I do think that that's going to be Avery Davis from a from a leadership standpoint. I think that he is going to be you know a first option a lot of the time. Um, I, I think he's got the ability to be that first option. I think he got open a lot more than he was utilized in last year. Uh, I think he's really coming into his own as far as running routes understanding where those openings are in you know in the zone and, and things of that nature he's he's really becoming a wide receiver and, and again and I know that I'm maybe beating a dead horse here 
but this is like his fourth position. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little while. To he's not get your the typical nuances. fifth year receiver, right? right? I mean, he, exactly. he, he's really kind of been a receiver. This will be a, he's essentially, he's like a junior as a wide receiver, yes, which is when at Notre Dame, right. most of the receivers break out, right? right. So um, I think we're going to see that with Avery Davis. I think he is going to have a heck of a year. Now, of course, I would love to see him in like a wildcat. I saw some guys discussing that. I think that would be a lot of fun. I'm talking about Avery Davis. Have we Davis. brought that up in the show before? Maybe just a couple remember. times, you know? Um, but I'm talking about him just straight up yeah. wide receiver. You know, as a slot receiver. Down, as a slot yeah. receiver, putting him in motion. Yeah, you can run a reverse. You can do all, things of that nature. Uh, but just running routes, being that guy up the middle, because I do think they are going to attack the seam, attack the middle of the field a little bit more often, especially with Michael Mayer. And I think Avery Davis could really benefit from that as well. So Vince, I have a question for you about Avery. And again, okay. you you know I you know I love that pick, right? And I, I I've I've been beating the Avery Davis drum for a while, as have sure. you. And so I like your pick, but I do have a question for you. We talk about breakout players. Avery had 24 catches last year for 322 yards, two touchdowns, had three carries for 57 yards. When you kind of in your crystal ball, like what would a breakout season for him look like? To where you would feel at the end of the year, you look forward and you kind of glimpse in the future and say, "It this is going to be what that breakout looks like." What would it make for? What would it be for you to feel like? Yes, he did in fact break. I mean, obviously, you could say stats don't matter because he could he could have similar do, numbers though. last year, but he has a bunch of impact plays. Sure. But you know, let's just say it's a it's also stats are part of it, and and we're it's a, an all encompassing breakout. What would that look like for you, numbers wise? Well, I think I think he's going to have forty plus catches. Okay, uh, I, I do. I, I think he's going to be in the forty that's almost range. Double. That's a that's yes. definitely a good jump. That's yeah, I, I think jump. he's going to be because he what twenty four last year. Yeah. I think is what you said. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think he could easily get up to forty. Uh, and I think they're going to throw it a lot more this year too. I and do. they played one fewer game, so that so that that'll add factor into where it's not quite the the the. Oh wow, double his numbers that you're talking about. I mean, it's, right. there's going to be more opportunities too. Well, and, and I think you know he, what do you say? He had three three uh, carries. Uh, I think that could go up a little bit, maybe by you know four or five. I could see yeah. him in the in the high single digits. Yeah, you know, um, and I think he could be a weapon in the in the red zone. So you could mm-hmm. see those that touchdown number go up as well. Uh, but I think from a catch standpoint, I think he'll be. I think whatever number, I think the number will start with a four, whether that's yeah. low forties. You know, depending on how things go in the season and, and how teams react to Avery Davis, mm-hmm. I think what what will benefit Avery Davis is there's other options on this offense. Yeah, it's not he's not going to be the only target, and right? no one's going to be keen on Avery Davis in the first right. two three games of the year. Exactly, and that's exactly. where I think a big part of his production is going. I think a big part of his production is going to come from the in the first four or five games. Okay. Because Before and the reason realize, I say that, yeah. yes, and as younger players start to kind of get in the rotation, but I think. As teams start to say, well, we got to stop 25 or 23 and we got to stop 80, 87. I was going to say 89. I'm like, wait a minute, get the numbers right. 87. As teams start to focus on those two guys, I think that's where you could see Avery kind of have, I mean, five, six catches each in the first, you know, three, four games, you know, and that's all of a sudden he's getting up to 20 just like that. Right away. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, will he continue that the entire season, which would get him to like over 60 catches? No, but I think. I think he'll still be a weapon, but I think that'll then 
he won't be catching as many balls in the second half, not because he's less a part of the offense, but because now people are now having to key on him, which is going to help the run game, which is going to help the tight end get more production, which is going to help the other receivers. Right. So, yeah. And, and, you know, Jack Cohn didn't have a lot of weapons like that at Wisconsin. And I think he's going to like that. I mean, his security blanket over the middle was often his, his tight end or the check down. I think he's going to like having a guy like Avery Davis to throw mm-hmm. the ball to. And we saw that in the blue gold game. I mean, we saw him. They connected five times. And they didn't even really play together a ton in the, in the fourth quarter. So I think he's going to really like that weapon. And I think Avery Davis also, Vince, to your point, is going to benefit from the the, the change in scheme because I think some of those catches are just going to be more of those RPO-type, screen-type deals, which we didn't see him make a ton of. And when he did get chances on those last year, I think in the pick game they threw an RPO to him. He caught it and made a couple guys miss, got like 15 yards. Right. So I think we'll see more of that stuff too. And I think the system is also going to benefit my yes next breakout player, which is Lawrence Keyes. And, yeah. you know, look – I've, I've liked Lawrence Keyes for a long time. I, I think he's a guy that that the the staff, for whatever reason, has just not done a good enough job finding a role for. We saw him get early playing time in 2019, and he played really well. You know, caught thir- I think he caught like what 13 balls that year, Vince, in 2019. I'm starting to look at it now. Yeah, caught 13 passes for 134 yards, and seven of those catches came in the first three games. And he had some clutch catches. I think of that the twenty plus yard one on one route he caught it against Georgia late in the second quarter that set up a field goal. You know, I, I think of the big third down catch he had in the in the first game against Louisville when the game was in doubt. And then of course we saw him and I think it was just I, I can't think of a practice highlight video we got back from Notre Dame that didn't have Lawrence Keys smoking somebody. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and then we get into the spring game. Okay, yeah, there's, and then he catches five balls for over 100 yards. You know, and he's catching quick routes and he's making people miss. He's catching balls down the field. He's running routes. You know, he, he's a guy that has the speed to stretch the defense vertically. He's a guy to me that that has been a very underutilized weapon in recent seasons. And if Tommy Reese is going to make the changes, he's he he we think he's going to make with more quick game, more screens, more. You know, using isolations to create matchups, using personnel and formations and things like that to create isolations. This, to me, is your best ISO receiver. And what I mean by that, Vince, is he's such a good route runner. He's so quick, and he has better speed than people realize. I don't know if there's a receiver on the current roster that's that that can be better used as an ISO weapon, meaning getting him in matched up against a linebacker or a safety or a nickel corner and things like that. I don't know if they have a better ISO weapon in the slot field position than Avery Davis, in my view. My hope is that they promote him and give him more opportunities to make plays because if they do, I think he's going to reward them handsomely because mm-hmm. I think this kid's a really good football player. Well, and I would love to see, you know, not not exclusively, but at times where you've got Lawrence Keys to the field and you've got Avery Davis in the slot. I think that that could be. Or, or even switch them. You can also bunch them. Sure. I mean, there's so many different things. You well, can there's do so many different things, guys, but right. on the field at the same time, I guess, is the mm-hmm. bottom line. I, I would love to see those guys on the field at the same time. And then, you know, you even throw in a Braden Lindsay. You get the three of those guys. Now you've got quite the speed package. Um, and then whoever you want in the backfield, whether it's Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree and then Michael Merritt tight end, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, yeah. again, the possibilities are just endless with, with the, what this, what we believe this offense can throw at defenses. And I, and I think, I just I feel like Tommy Reese could be just a mad scientist in the laboratory, kind of putting together, you know, different options and different packages and, and then things of that nature. Just from a personnel standpoint, right. they can run the same plays, but just switching up the personnel 
and you're gonna yep. be you're gonna be that much more multiple. So yeah, um, yeah I, I love Lawrence Keys. You know I do, and I I was really not happy um, that they replaced him so quickly on punt return. Right. You know when he fumbled that ball and 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 things of that nature. I think the hook was a little quick in that right. regard. And, but and that's been a frustrating thing. But that's also why Lawrence needs to step up early. Yeah, yeah, you're and, right, and have that proven track record to say, hey, we will accept a mistake here, a mistake there, because right. of the proven track record. I think that's an important thing. And I do want to address before we move on to the next one why we didn't choose a couple other receivers. The reason we didn't choose Kevin Austin, we actually talked about this, and I was like, I'm not picking Kevin Austin as a breakout player, simply because there's so many unknowns regarding his current health status that I didn't feel comfortable picking him as a breakout player when I don't know if yeah. if he's even be healthy enough to play yeah. a full season. Will he then be able to stay healthy? I, I think that's a big question because I, as I told you, I do have some concerns with the foot injury. It's one of two things is going to happen, Vince. It's going to, he's going to come back stronger than ever. It's just going to become a problem that never goes away. One of those, that's the only two options with this type of injury and this type of surgery. Right. And so we're going to find out early if he is now could, could so, if somebody wanted to say, Kevin Austin is going to be that guy, would I argue with him? No, not at all. Because you know, we all know the talent he has. Yeah. But I just haven't seen the kid play in two years. I mean, he hasn't, he literally hasn't played like really more than, a handful of meaningful snaps in, since his freshman season. And even then, he didn't play a whole lot. I mean, That's he hasn't been a meaningful as a stretch for yeah, freshman year. Yeah. Right. You know, but I mean, he, he did get some action early against Michigan. Yeah. Like, you know, but like he didn't, he hardly played at all last year. He was hurt to start the year. Then when he finally got back in the rotation, he got hurt again. And, and so I just need to see him do it. Now, if he breaks out, am I going to be surprised? No. But I did definitely want to go on record as saying, hey, here's the reason why we didn't pick Kevin Austin just because of the uncertainty of the injury. But he is a guy that if we knew he was healthy, if if you told me he's definitely healthy, he's been That's, in he workouts, yeah. he's great, he'd absolutely be in this conference. And we got to, and I would have wanted to see him in the spring game. You know what right. I mean? Or at least in spring practice, yeah. something. But, it, but if my sources were like, man, he's out there working out every day. He yeah, has no true. work. He has no workload volume issues. I mean, he's mate balling out and he's healthy then i just said you know what we should we should talk about kevin austin and breakout but i just got to see him healthy and that's and then yeah. with Braden lindsey the reason i didn't pick him is because I'm, it's not so much that i'm worried about him staying healthy but i feel like we've already seen Braden lindsey in what he can do as a breakout player and we saw that in 2019 you know with the the, the big plays he made him and he had what 20 some touches and he had like what six or seven plays of 40 plus yards in those 20 plus touches uh, so, yes, I have a, some concerns about his health, but it, it's more about I feel I kind of feel like he's already a known in regards sure. to breaking out because of what sure. he did in 2019. It's more about just can he be healthy and do that again at a little bit more of a higher volume is really the thing that I have with Brayden Lindsay. So that's why I didn't pick him as a as a breakout player. Vince. I don't know if your reasoning was different. But that's, well, that was the reason he wasn't in my list. It was similar. I mean, it, the injury thing is definitely part of the equation. I mean, it just is. And but you're right. I think we've seen what he can do, and I don't, yeah. I don't foresee him having a bigger impact than he did in 2019 necessarily. A little bit more volume, but right with more volume, he right. could. I just we've seen it. We, right. We've seen him do it, so um, I, I think he's only limited by the injury and by usage, like the right. way they're going to use him. So right um, now, if he is a breakout player, this offense is going to be nasty. And when oh, I mean yeah. breakout player, what I mean is not doing what he did in 2019, but just with more volume. You know, so maybe he goes from 25 touches in a shorter period of time to 
to 35, 40 touches. But I mean, if he goes like 50 plus touches this year, then, and, and he's, that means he broke out like in a big, big way. And that's what I haven't, I'm not predicting yet just because I don't know if that's, I don't know if, if he can be that guy at this point in time. But if he is, and that's what I thought he could be when Notre Dame signed him, he could probably have a bigger impact on than anybody we're discussing here, in sure. my opinion. If if he truly has that big step forward, yeah, I, I honestly don't think that – because you're bringing Chris Tyree-ish speed as a perimeter guy, which totally changes the way the defense has, would have to defend Notre Dame. Correct. No and that, that would mean you know 40 to 50 snaps a game – for 12 games in the regular season, you know what I mean? And then consistent mm-hmm. production. I don't know if Braden Lindsay can be that guy, but if he is, then I think he impacts this offense more than anybody else. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So let's get back on track to the guys we actually did pick. <laughs> and, and Vince, right. uh, I, your next guy is obviously um, it's going to be an interesting one. And it was the first comment we had in the chat when we got in there. Yes, we were was. actually in the chat. We got So as soon as I made the chat, we got in it and we were kind of going over things. And Jordan jumped in. Jordan Schreiber jumped in immediately as we were talking. And we saw him post this and he said, breakout player Jack Cohn for 4,000 plus yards. Now, Jack, Jordan has said that several times. Vince and I don't know about four thousand yards, but he is right. definitely a guy that you have right as as a breakout and, player. And then I'm going to explain why I don't have him as a breakout okay. Player. Well, I, because uh, people are like, wait, Driscoll, you're the guy that's been banging the Jack Cone drum 
since they got him, you know what's going on. I'll explain. But anyway, go ahead and explain why you have Jack Cohn as a breakout player. No, I'm also not ready to say 4,000 yards. I'm not. I'm not quite. I just there. wonder if the Notre Dame yeah. offense is capable of doing right. that. Right. I mean that that's that's kind of my right. thing. I mean, well, four thousand yards is a is a lot of yards. So so there's a lot of reasons um, that I pick Jack Cohn, and I and I you know number one is I get to sit across from you and listen to you talk about Jack Cohn and and how much you love that's him. That's called it, indoctrination. And eventually it just starts just sweeping over me. <laughs> um, and yes, it's indoctrination. indoctrination. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's part of it. But no, I I do believe. Look, he's got. I think that he could be the perfect quarterback for what they want to do with this offense okay um and and i i hate to make this comparison but it, it's similar to what alabama did last year you know mm-hmm. their quarterback was a distributor he got the ball in the hands of the playmakers now he had to have the cojones to to fit it into some small windows and to make some throws that the previous quarterback at notre dame was unwilling or just didn't make however you want whatever you want to say the throws didn't get made. I think Jack Cohn is willing to make a lot of those throws. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen it in his film at Wisconsin. I think we saw a little bit of it in the spring game. I think we saw a little bit of it in the clips uh, during spring. I think he's going to make those throws or at the very least attempt those throws. And you and I have had that Assuming conversation. They don't beat that out of them. That's well, my only concern. There, there is that. Um, but you and I have had the conversation that, you know, just because you throw deep doesn't mean you have to complete it. You know, you need to throw deep to throw show that you're willing to throw deep, right? I mean, it, it, it's all of that combined. And I think Jack Cohn is willing and able to do all the, of those things. And I think he is going to do all of those things. I'm going to I'm going to hope that they're not going to beat that out of him. He's only there for a year. He's coming in with a lot of, you know, preconceived um, ideas of how to play the quarterback position. And I think that he is a I don't know if I want to use the word gunslinger, right? But he's he is willing to make some of those throws that we haven't seen at Notre Dame in the past few years. So for that reason, I like him as a breakout. And look, he's going to be the quarterback at Notre Dame, right? If they go on a winning streak, which I think that they have a very good chance of doing, they're favored in every game except the Wisconsin game, which I think is ridiculous, right? Uh, it was a point and a half last time I looked that they're, they're not favored by. Um if he can take Notre Dame and put them, you know, on a winning streak and they're they're ranked in the top five, you know, all of that, he's going to be the guy that they're going to be talking about, right? Because he's the quarterback of an undefeated team who is, you know, has put up, put up the numbers because I do believe he's going to put up numbers because he's going to get the ball in the hands of the right guys. Uh, I think this offense is going to be able to put up some numbers. I'm not ready to go out and predict what those numbers are going to be but i think they could be better than last year you're not uh, doing that because we're gonna have a show about that well, i like so. what yeah. you did there there you go so i just think i think jack Cohn is poised to be a breakout player because of the weapons that he has around him because of the mm-hmm. offense that he is going to be engineering and for the fact that i i believe that he's going to make some of the throws that we have been begging the notre dame quarterback to make over the last two years so I think he's got a great chance to be uh, a big, big reason why Notre Dame is successful offensively this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm all on board for that. I didn't pick him as one of my three because, number one, I'm, I'm going to save more conversation about him for a future topic that we're going to cover here very soon. But I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I, my only thing as far as breakout is if I didn't think about it 
in the way you just did. So you're looking at it from sort of a perception breakout as just as much as, I mean, statistically he's going to see a jump if he's what we sure. think he's going to be because Notre Dame's going to throw it more than he did at Wisconsin. But you're also talking about you're the quarterback of Notre Dame. So there's going to be a perception in that. And I didn't think about that. That's a really good point because the way I looked at it is, He's already won 10 games as a starting quarterback and led a team to a Rose Bowl. Oh, absolutely. And they yeah, sure. lost by like a point to a guy that was a top 10 NFL draft pick and was the NFL rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year last year. So that's kind of where I was looking at it is like, you know, oh, he's kind of already done that. But to your point, that earned him zero respect because exactly. of, you know, I, I saw, I'm seeing top 25 quarterback rankings come out and Jack Cohn's not on there. Guys right. who've never started a game before on there, but Jack Cohn's not on there, right? And so, yeah, to your point, I think there's still a disrespect about him because, well, that team was all about Jonathan Taylor. And, and, and yeah, Jonathan Taylor was a huge part of that team. Sure. But Jack Cohn made some big-time throws in, the, in that season. And, you know, and you look at the Minnesota game, which was their biggest regular win, regular season win of the year, that was Jack Cohn doing work in that game, not not necessarily the running game. So I, I, I didn't really think about that point, Vince. I think that's a really good point to make about it's not just about the production. It's about – that production at Notre Dame is going to equal this in regards to reception or perception. And that kind of leads to what we've talked recently about, you know, the Heisman thing, you know, we did a, a little answer to question about recently where, whether or not they whether or not Jack Cohn could be a Heisman candidate. And, and the point that I've made is if Ian book can be a top 10 Heisman finalist. And he was, he was like eighth or ninth this past yeah. year yeah, with really pedestrian numbers. When you consider, this isn't a shot at Ian book, but, Anyone that's paying attention looks at the numbers he put up last year, compares them to what most Heisman finalists, you know, sure. not finalists, but, you know, top 10 guys yeah. put up, and it's not guys even close. In the conversation. He, he threw 15 touchdowns, and it wasn't right. like he had Eric Crouch-like numbers as a runner, you know? Exactly. So I think that, that if if that can happen, you know, what what can Jack Cohn do with 3,000-plus yards if he's to get there and, and you know, 30 or so touchdowns kind of thing? And, and – and hopefully do it in a way that's unlike what we saw in 2019, where it was like 17 of those touchdowns came in like four games against really bad teams. Right. right? And so hopefully it's production in the bigger games as well. But yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting take Vince that I didn't even think about is, is even if his numbers don't take a monstrous jump, that the, his perception is going to be so much different. Right. And that's and a, that, that, a really good observation. I just think he's, he is so flying under the radar right now nationally that I, I think that, yeah, he's going to be a breakout when it comes to his perception. I, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love doing these kind of topics because you, and also why I love coming up with our list before we talk to each other, because the, the parameters, uh, you know, they're just kind of Try wide to keep open. Them as open as you yeah. want to be. So that makes it a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Jack Cohn is my last guy. Your last guy is very interesting. And when we talked about him in the pregame, you did uh, this, you went like this. I was like, but then you explained it to me. I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. And, and I also think this is a bit of a perception guy yes, as well. Exactly. Um, and so that's why I think it's interesting. Our last two, they're both perception, but we both didn't see it on the other guy mm-hmm. at first. So go ahead and give your last guy, Brian. Sure. Patterson. Yeah, and it's it's hilarious to me that that number one, Jarrett Patterson has been pretty good the last two years, right? Yeah. We all know that, but he hasn't been like an elite player. I mean, he was a honorable mention All American last year. I think he was like second or third team All ACC. He wasn't necessarily considered like he wasn't a Liam Meikenberg, he wasn't a Robert Hainsey, he wasn't an Aaron Banks kind of guy uh, with the 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 honors and the accolades. And then you come into this season and everybody's like, Kane Madden's their best offensive lineman, which I'm like, okay, I don't, whatever. 
so when I look at Jared Patterson, I say, you know, if, if whether he's a center or a guard, this is true no matter what position he plays. My my opinion of him as a breakout is true no matter what position he plays. But I, I look at Jared Patterson, you know, his first year he had some ups and downs of a typical redshirt freshman, but he loved the potential. And and I thought he finished the season off well. Last year we sort of saw, saw a I didn't think he played great early in the year. He was good, but I didn't. He didn't make the jump that I thought he was going to make. But the, the the games leading into the game where he was injured against BC, he was playing the best football of his career. I felt, and he was really starting to take that next step as a player from just a a physicality standpoint. He was moving people more, execution standpoint. His just overall effectiveness was just really starting to explode. And there was a couple games before he got hurt where. I thought him and Liam Meikenberg graded out as their two best linemen, or you know, and or he was right on par with like Hainsey, in, in my opinion. And so, I think he's gonna. I think the injury is one of those things that obviously hurt that ability to kind of. If he would have been able to finish the season off strong and play against Clemson and play against Alabama, I think his perception right now would be a lot different because I felt like he was really ascending uh, at that at that time when he got hurt. So when you look at him now and you say, okay. Another year older, another year stronger. I think the injury is going to benefit him in this regard where it hurt him in another. It's going to benefit him in this regard. A lot of times when you have a lower body injury, the work you have to put in for rehab and to come back from that can actually result in you getting a jump in explosiveness because you have to focus so much on that lower body and building up that lower body and the muscles around it and you know, really focusing on getting the agility back and the footwork back and things like that. That sometimes you can see guys kind of take a little bit of an even bigger jump than you mother- otherwise might have seen. So I think we're going to see that this year. I think he's going to become more of a leader of the unit this year and not just a leader from the standpoint of like the players knew he was a leader, but also from a perception standpoint and more maybe more of a little bit of a vocal leader this year. So I think that's part of it as well. And I think you, he's going to go from being like a second to third team all ACC type of guy to a first team, the second team All-American type of player. That's what I think we're going to see from Jared Patterson, uh, where he's going to be one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Whereas last year, you know, he was at, you know, he was at at best their third best lineman. Right. So it's hard for me to say you were an elite player when you had the third when you were the third best lineman on your team. Now again, part of that is because of how good Robert Hainsey and Liam Eikenberg were, right? But I actually felt that he outplayed Aaron Banks a lot last year because he was more consistent than Aaron Banks. So consistency is his, you know, Jarrett's always kind of, he's never played bad. When I say he didn't play as well as I expected, it was just more of he, he wasn't dominating. I don't know if he's ever had, he maybe has like one bad game his whole career. It's just, he has this kind of level of consistency, but now I think that consistency is going to be up here. It's just going to be a higher level of consistency. And then I think we're going to see more dominant moments from him. So I really do believe that now, whether or not, that's going to happen is going to partly be dependent upon what position they put him at and then what's around him. Mm-hmm. And my fear about this prediction is sort of what we had with Drew White last year, where uh, do you, do you have him per- trying to spend so much time focusing on other people and getting everybody else right that his game takes a step back? I hope that doesn't happen. I felt like we saw that a little bit from, from Sam Musford in 2018. I felt like in 2017 it was Sam Musfer's best year because he had Alex Bars and you know he had Quentin Nelson beside him, right? Or you know, I, I mean, you didn't have to really worry about you just go do your job, buddy. And Q's got all that. Well, then in 2018 you don't have Quentin Nelson anymore. 
and and you've got a new guy there at left guard, and and you know all these changes are happening, you, you know, because then you move Alex Bars over to left guard, you got a new right guard. It's just there was a lot of changes, and I felt like sometimes Sam was too worried about helping the guys beside him, you know, that he couldn't focus on his game. And then when Alex Bars got hurt, and he had two new guys beside him, it was just it was it was. I felt I felt that hurt Sam's game. That's my fear with Jarrett Patterson is that you know it, does he have to spend so much time helping everybody else around him that it, it affects his game? That was my one thing that gave me pause about picking him. But at the end of the day, I was like, I think this kid's too good. I think he's too athletic. I think he's too talented, and I think he is in a position where he's going to really step up and become a a a nationally recognized player as opposed to just the Notre Dame fan base knowing he's really good. The rest of college football is going to know he's really good. Well, and if you remember, I mean, well, a couple points here. So he was, he was always kind of the fifth lineman that people would talk about because he wasn't one of the four that was going to be draft eligible, like that was going to be leaving, right? So he was always kind of the afterthought. Everybody, all oh, four out of the five are gone. Four out of the five are gone. Well, there's still one left, and he's pretty darn good. He's like, really good. Yeah. He, the people. Just I think his injury kind of factored in that too because we well, didn't see and, him late in the year. And talking about the injury, you know, when we had an opportunity to talk to some of the linemen, I mean, the, what they were saying about Jared Patterson, I mean, we lost the captain of our line. Right. Like, that, that right. spoke and, volumes and to they me. They knew that, and they told that to us, but that wasn't necessarily the, the perception nationally. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yes, right. that's exactly right. And that, that just highlights the importance of who Jared Patterson was mm-hmm. on that line because there were two guys on that line that actually had the C – on right. their jerseys and were and legitimate it, leaders. I mean, it's yes, not like 100%. those guys only had it just because they were veterans. I mean, they earned right. that seat, and they were looking at Jarrett Patterson as a leader during on that the game. During the game, yes. right, right, right. Now, now I think Jarrett takes that leadership and it yes. expands. I, I agree. Think that's going to help him I agree. a lot. So, it, yeah, it, it, the perception angle is very interesting to me uh, for both Jack Cohn and Jarrett Patterson. And I do and so think Jack, I, I think Jarrett Patterson is going to play a lot better too. This isn't just about perception. I actually sure. think his game's going to take another level. Sure. As to your point, Vince, you made a comment. Of, I think was it earlier today or was it off there? I sometimes forget. <laughs> but you made a comment. The, the third year is sort of that money year for linemen at Notre Dame. Right. You know, yeah. Ronnie Stanley was. Was inconsistent, but but showed potential in 2013 and 14. Then year three, he really breaks out. You know, uh, Quentin Nelson was really good as a redshirt freshman, really good as a redshirt junior, you know, redshirt sophomore. But then you think, well, how much better can that guy get? And then in 2017, he showed us how much better he can get. You know, Mike McGlinchey was was a little spotty as a as a redshirt junior at you know 2016. You know, was a second team All American, but he you know he had some inconsistent moments. Then he comes out in 2017, which was his third full year as a starter. Because remember, he only started one game in 14, and he just he takes his game to another level. Liam Meikenberg inconsistent in 2018, pretty set steady in 2019, like pretty steady player, not dominant. Comes out in his third year as a starter, and he's dominant, and he's a first team All American. So we really we've seen that consistently from Notre Dame. Even right. Zach Martin, who was just like otherworldly in 2013. It was 2012 when Zach Martin had his true breakout, which was his third year starting left tackle. So I think that third year is when we've really seen that money year for players. And Jarrett's walking into that now. And that's another reason why I look at it and say, if the if the O-line tradition is continuing from where it was, then this should be the year that we really see Jarrett Patterson take that big, big jump as a player. So those are our breakout players offensively for this coming season, especially coming out of spring, what we're able to see and not see. 
Um, and um, so, yeah, tomorrow we're going to do defensive, the defensive yeah. side of the ball and who we think those breakout players are going to be. And I, I'm very interested to see what Brian comes up with. Yeah. We have not shared, we have not shared those yet, but yeah. we, we will talk about it. But yes. you know, so so the way this is going to work, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the that part of the show now, and we're gonna answer questions next. So this is kind of what our format's going to be. It's similar to what we've done uh, in the past, but we're gonna have more of these here coming up. So before, if you're gonna if you're gonna take off now, which I don't think you should, we get great questions and they spark some really good conversation. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, make sure you hit the notification bell. Check out irishbreakdown.com. And if you're listening via podcast, please make sure you leave us a five-star review. So that's going to wrap up the breakout players. Now that we've had the spring, the breakout players that we see for Notre Dame in the for, for the upcoming 2021 season. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.